What's good, what's good, what's good, my people? Yo, we back. You tuned in to another episode of the Hip Hop Spot Podcast, where I interview inspiring entrepreneurs within the entertainment field. And yo, me, I go by Brown96. I am the host of the Hip Hop Spot Podcast. Yo, today we got a dope, dope interview with, with the homie Manny Jimenez Sr. He's a videographer. Yo, he's a director, producer. He wears all sorts of hats, man. He's done all kinds of shit within the entertainment biz. And uh, he's here to tell us how his experiences have been, his ups and downs, all that good stuff, man. So tune in. You're going to learn a little bit about the homie Manny. And, um, you know, I hope you get something from this interview. And I hope you, you know, it inspires you to create on your own, you know what I mean, path and all that good stuff, man. So tune in, bro, because it's going to be dope. It's going to be dope. Like, I always bring that dopeness, man. You know how we go. Now, strap on that seatbelt because it's going to be a dope-ass ride with another episode of the Hip Hop Spot Podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Hip Hop World. That's what's up, man. This is Brown96 with another episode of the Hip Hop Spot Podcast. And today we got a special guest, Manny Jimenez Sr. And yo, he's a filmmaker. He has a great story. He overcomes so much in his life. And um, he's still, you know, going for his goals. Everyone's progressing in their own lives. So he's no different. You know, here he is, the man, Manny. What's up, Manny? Hey, how's it going? How's it going, man? Appreciate you having me on. Oh, no doubt. Thank you for giving me the time, bro. Now... Bring us back to that time in your life when you were basically a target from, you know, police and all that. I mean, us growing in the barrio, like, you know, we feel like we're targets. Like, we're always being, in a way, picked on, you know, by the system and stuff like that. But um, tell us, man. Talk to us about that experience, man. Well, I, yeah, I had, my experience was a little different. I never really, I, I felt like when I was when I was young and gangbanging and all that stuff, I, I, I was, um... I wasn't. I never got involved in like the drug thing and all that. I got involved in, um, you know, it was like the, the like what uh, my guys and I and I like to call like the honeymoon period, where it's like the parties, the girls, and all that, and you kind of get seduced in it, right? And then, mm. and then like, boom, your friend dies, and you're like, whoa, this is real. So you know, it kind of kind of gradually um, got sucked into it, but. And then there was a part of it, there's an adrenaline part of it that, um, you know, unfortunately, that I loved, right? I didn't love the jail part and the friends dying and all the betrayal, but the part of, like, there was an adrenaline rush that, um, you know, I guess a lot of people, you know, when, you, when you're addicted to the lifestyle, right? There's that lifestyle. Mm. So I was kind of into that, and I was just always up to no good. So I never really felt like a victim of the system and all that. I was like, I was kind of... And my and on my ex- personal experience, I was out up to no good. So, you know, the system was doing whatever they had to do. Of course, there's times where you know some um, cops or whatever did a little too much, but I, I was up to no good. And then once I, you know, started changing my ways and um, my um, the vibe that I put out, you know, I I stopped. Um, getting treated a certain way, you know what I mean? Mm. We'll get more into that down the line. But, you know, I was just, you know, I was caught up. I was angry. I was I was in pain. Um, I lived in a particular neighborhood. Um, 
and it just it's, it, it was what it was you know dad and mom partied my dad was a heroin addict um he left alcoholic beat my mom and all then i had a stepdad and um you know our house was like a like a party house but um yeah i was real for i know some people don't um didn't you know, they didn't react or, or, or feel a certain way when their dad left. I know a lot of people have, but for me, that was like, man, I would, I, I, I really bothered me. I really hurt me. It was devastating mm-hmm. that he wasn't in my life. So that really affected the anger and helped me build. I had a lot of anger towards not him, but it's weird. I had anger towards my mom and my stepdad. I took it, I took it out on them. And then that led to being angry at school and eventually just hanging out with the guys and all that and looking for something, you know, um, but yeah, that's, it's, um, I don't know what else you want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Well, I, I have mean, some I've questions. I have some questions in regards to, um, yeah. like, you know, there's a lot of people out there right now going, living in those shoes right now that you're, you know, that you're referring back to, you know, in your, in your younger self. Um, but now what do you think helped you to kind of manage that more? Cause I know certain traumas in life, we never fully get rid of. It's, it's still there so, somewhere in us, but we exactly. we are able to manage it better once we, uh, you know, grow up and I guess hear more advices and whatnot. But what helped you in being able to manage these these feelings, these emotions? Well, back then, nothing really helped me. I, I let it out through violence and anger, th- those feelings, and I didn't really have. I mean, look, at today now, I'm a parent. I'm 40. All that was when I was a teenager mm-hmm. up to. It was like a good 10 years of being a, an active gang member. And then I'm 46 now. So I've been like in the Hollywood game for like 20 something years now. So I have a lot of coping skills. You know, like I was mentoring this 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 teenager not too long ago and, and she's like 16 and she's a, a rap artist. And she says, hey, I'm gonna, you know, I'm, I'm just going through some stuff with my with my girlfriend and my mom and life. And then I'm gonna get, I'm like, a go, and, and, you know, life was hating her, right? And I said, listen, man, I go, this, this, what you're going through, I go, that's never going to go away. Life is, is it's never going to go away. It's going to keep hitting you. What you learn is getting the better coping skills, right? Mm. That's kind of to answer your, your question. So back then I had no coping skills and my parents didn't know anything about getting family counseling or grief counseling. And, you know, so there was really no way to just kind of deal with the emotions other than, I know some people go to drugs and alcohol. And like I said, me, I was just like, I went to like, you know, gang banging and all that stuff. I don't want to get, too many details we all kind of people in the volume know what that means right mm-hmm. so you're just out there and you're just putting in work and you're doing stuff and a lot of it is a lot of anger uh and pain so i didn't really have the coping skills and then as i as i got older you kind of learn like okay you know you have to learn how when to check yourself how to check yourself i mean you're pretty much if you don't check yourself and, and, and start talking about your emotions with somebody or getting a mentor or finding some other way. Like me, the movie stuff replaced that adrenaline that I'm talking about. So I found that help. So I don't like, well, I don't have the same desires to go out and steal cars and go on high speed chase and all that stuff, right? Like I'll do all that in the movies now. But back then, like you don't have no understanding of how to deal with a lot of that. So, but you, you know, for me, I started learning like, okay, if I'm going to, like everybody that mad dogs me, like I'm going to end up doing life in prison. If I mm-hmm. do something that all oh, this dude disrespected me, you know, somebody's mad dogging me or somebody's looking at my lady or whatever. Like if we don't get that stuff in check, I mean, we're pretty much like, 
you, what are you going to do? Beat up everybody in this world? They're just, <laughs> you know, it's like when I, when I teach youth how to, to drive, right. And, and go get their driver's license. Uh, the number one thing I tell them is like, I go look at the number one thing that you got to deal with is this, all these people that don't know how to drive out there. <laughs> That's pretty much <laughs> it. Right. Being aware of all of them and not getting all emotional when they cut you off or whatever or flip you off or honk at you, you just like can't react to that stuff. So that's because, you know, you could be the best driver in the world, right? But you have all these other drivers that don't know how to drive, right? Or they're on the phone or they're doing their makeup or they're eating mm. or they're swerving. They're just distracted or they just shouldn't be driving, right? Some people are at a certain age where they just shouldn't be driving. And then some are too young, <laughs> right? Like, what the hell is this little kid driving, you know? <laughs> so you kind of like learn how you dr- the more you drive, the more you learn how to just kind of, um, I'll say, I guess kind of avoid, but you be ready to uh, not react with anger, right? Not react with emotions. So that's kind of like life when you're young. you got to find ways to not react to every person that's out there. I, I hate to say but they're like, there's just some people out there that are just, you know, I don't, I wanna, I don't wanna say um, something mean, but. Shouldn't be out there, not, yeah. Yeah, they're just not in a positive mindset, and they're just out to to corrupt and hurt, mm-hmm. antagonize, and and manipulate and drive you, and and, and really kind of like uh, use you, bully you, you know, and all that. And you kind of got to learn um, not to put yourself in those situations. And so, the, like the the greatest tool that I got was from my mom rest in peace was you know my gut instincts she kept teaching me about your gut instincts at a very young age and i was like one of the the great the two greatest things she gave me that and always help people that so she was always into helping people and um so those two things that like really stayed with me but like your instincts to kind of know like you choose one is kind of detect some person or situation way ahead right Hmm. and then not be not put yourself in that situation because once sometimes you're in a situation like dang now what do i do i'm in this tough situation so try to learn to not be in that situation learn from other people's mistakes but talk out your feelings is very important Hmm. it's um you know i i I don't know like a lot of people you know i've done therapy counseling um anger management parent parenting classes i mean you know like for for young people especially you want to be in a place where you let all that stuff so i call it taking an emotional dump Mm. that sounds kind of messed up but (laughs) that's just the way i see it because Mm -hmm. you have to let that stuff out you know and you know and or if you're holding it in and you're angry having a bad day just got a divorce or your girlfriend broke up with you and someone cuts you off or flips you off on the road like you could get you, you could end up in prison right then and there yeah by a choice Right. So like, you know, meditate or pray or whatever, whatever the person is into and be uh, uh, prepared ahead of time. It's like getting car insurance. We get it ahead of time. Hopefully we never need it. Right. But we have it uh, ahead of time. So we, we, we kind of plan our day every day. Like, OK, there's just these people out there, uh, a friend. Uh, it could be a family member, you know, they might just rub me the wrong way. I, I just need to not be, have that person in my life or love them from a distance. Yeah. Um, yeah, hopefully I answered your question. Oh yeah. No, I, um, go, I mean, I we're just chopping it up, man. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I want it to be like, not really of a, you know what I mean? I want to answer it correctly. It's more like, uh, yeah, give us, it real, yeah, just so, keep, just, just so tell us your experience, you know what I mean? And how you feel and how you dealt with certain things. Like, cause that's really what I want to, you know what I mean? I want it to be genuine and like, not, just you know put in something that doesn't really reflect you but um now as a latino growing up like personally 
I was never able to really speak to my parents about certain issues and certain things. And I know a lot of Latinos can relate to this because um, it's a, especially with males, uh, we are not really able to speak on uh, mental health a lot. Um, and even among among like peers, it's, it's looked down upon, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it makes us... Like a weakness. A weakness, sense, right? yeah, yeah. So like, how did you deal with all that? Uh, you know, in your stage of uh, rehab, how were you able to deal with, with being able to be, be um, outspoken about that issue? Well... I mean, um, growing up, like, yeah, no one, there was no, like I said, there was no counseling, there was no nothing, you know, it was just like my, my friend, I remember my first time, my, my best friend died, he got shot in his eye, his eye came out, and he died, and for years, like, we look back, like, I never, my parents never got me any type of counseling or anything like that or to talk about in my emotions or so i mean you know this is in the 80s and mm-hmm. a lot of times i i don't i don't even say you think for latinos i think for just there's a certain group of men that are real yeah 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 macho that don't talk don't that, that teach their kids like ah, boys don't cr- men don't cry there and all that yeah stuff. yeah you're right that, that, that's weak so I, I i never really put myself like i'm a latino filmmaker i'm i mean to me because i work with like to me like a you say at-risk kids, everybody thinks, right, kids in the hood, right, mm. the inner city. That's that's BS. I tell you that right now. I, I'm a youth counselor certified, and I work with youth of all <laughs> there's youth of all um, races and ages and from the inner city to Beverly Hills. I mean, at-risk mm. kid is any kid in this planet mm. that's dealing with life because there's kids that come from wealthy families, you know what I mean, and they're at risk. Yeah. For drugs and suicide and you know um, um, just chaos, uh, or, or you can have a, a parent, uh, you know, someone in the neighborhood that in the inner city in the barrio that the kid is um, don't have no issues. He's doing good or she's doing good, right? So it really doesn't matter. But to answer your question, like, yeah, I didn't have that. I, I guess I did have it in a sense where I had like an uncle that I could talk to as far as like, as far as deep emotions, no, I didn't have that. I just bottled it up to later and I, and I started getting mentors in my life. My advice would be with people, like if your parent's not the one to give you what you feel you need, you can't change them. You might not ever change them. You could write them. I, I would say like this, like if you have, you, like say you want to address your parent or your dad and, and or, or mom and they're real like, you know, real hard, a hardened person, right? I would say don't approach them when they're angry or just got home from work and all that about something. Tell them, hey, can we have a family talk, right? Mm-hmm. Or and, and, and then find out when they're like in their best mood and then have that talk and share with them your feelings. And don't expect to get the reaction you want, though. That's one way. And the other way is to write a heart heartfelt letter right mm. and, and and leave it with them and that way because what happens is some people that are not good listeners if you're talking to them right away they're not even listening they're already thinking about what they're going to tell you mm-hmm. right they're already like oh they already oh, i i, I they want to interrupt so if you write a letter this this is every person that i've ever advised that to that actually did it they they all of them come back and say, wow, it's been the best thing ever. Because a person they're writing, it could be a, 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 someone writing to their husband, their wife, son. I, I mean, I do that with my son, with my with everybody, because they all have a chance to read it and digest it over, and they can read it over and over and over without interrupting, without trying to talk over you or without trying to disagree with you or whatever. Because mm-hmm. 
you could sell somebody, you know, oh, you, you, you did that on purpose to make me mad. And the person's like, no, you, or you could say you made me feel this way by, by saying this, this and this. And the person can't, what are they going to say? Like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, yeah, I did mean to say that. But if you made, like, they, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, if you yeah. made me feel a certain way, like, I've confronted my friends that, like, like the guys that I work with, we're like 20 years friendships, and they're all ex-gang members and all that. And I've started using those tools and say, hey, you know, I wouldn't, if he's a little heated about a situation, this, uh, I'm thinking of one particular uh, person, he's a little, he's bigger than me, he's all tatted up and, you know, but he made me feel a certain way. And I said, okay, I'm not going to, I can't approach him right now. He's feeling He's a little heated, not in the sense where we we're going to fight, but it was just getting to a little, uh, I mean, you feel a certain way, like you're getting into that fight or flight. Right. So when he was in a, in a really good mood and we were cool. And I said, Hey man, can I talk to you? Yeah. And I said, you know, this, that time we were talking, you were making me feel a certain way, the way your body language was and all that. And, and like, we're friends and we shouldn't, and he's like, Oh no, nah, my bad, bro. That was like totally cool. We were, <laughs> I said, if we got to go to the, you know, at this point, if we got to go to the backyard and, 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 throw down like that what is that you know what i'm saying we're like we're parents we're we're talking to youth at juvenile halls and and all that how are we gonna be fighting in the backyard over some little stupid disagreement and then we're 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 trying to be a, a, a an example to the youth right former gang members doing this abc so once we had that talk it never happened again Right. Mm. And then and then I just like we just started learning how to just do that. Like, how do you speak to people hey, I'm a, I'll, and apologize and, um, and 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 own up to your side of the street, too? Right. Like, hey, I'm sorry. You know, and and, and, and you might not get it from your parents or your people, but like you might not. And you just love them from a distance and what they are. And they might not respond to your letter. They might not respond to whatever you say. But, you, you know, you might have to like go get you'll get counseling, get somebody Get, uh, grief counseling is great. Mm-hmm. Um, find a mentor, other people that talk to you, because it might not, it could be an aunt, an uncle, might not be your parent, and you might have to just live and accept that your parents are a certain way and they're never going to change. You know what I mean? Um, that's a, it, It's sad and it's hurtful, but when you accept it, and then another thing that I, that I learned to do, and, and I encourage uh, a lot of people to do is, Ask your parents about their childhood, mm-hmm. right? When you ask them about their childhood, man, you will learn so much and you have empathy for them. And then you will understand, wow, like, dang, my mom and dad had to like, they, they're, my grandparents <laughs> weren't the little nice grandparents that they are today. They put my mom and dad through some stuff as mm-hmm. a kid. And then it makes more sense. And then you have empathy for them. And then you have love for them. And then you really can say wow like then then like your heart opens up to them and you could see why they they are the way they are and then and then then the healing can begin you know i mean the relationship you know what i mean that's always great as well but if you're just like my mom's a jerk or my dad's a jerk and you shut them off and you run out the house and you're just angry and getting high and trying to do um whatever that's not that's not the solution you know what I mean? But really, I would say really try to, 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 to again, it doesn't, if, if your parents are really mean and you find out about them, it, it doesn't, and they're still doing crazy stuff in the house, doesn't mean excuse that stuff. Mm. I mean, crazy stuff like, I mean, you know, maybe it be your verbally abuse, they're verbally abusive, or um, they're just, um, see, like my stepdad, he wasn't, he didn't molest me or burn me with cigarettes or anything like that, but he was a little rough, right? Mm. He, he, Looking back, yeah, he taught me how to be a man, and I love him dearly for it. But he was a little rough, and some of that stuff I did when I was a parent. 
I'm still a parent. And my son's 22. And um, I was a little, you know, I was pretty rough with them, you know, but with writing him off for the good reasons, right? For the best reasons for him, stay away from drugs and gangs and all that stuff. Treat people right, be loyal, you know, all these great qualities. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of going about it a rough way. And I was like, dang, I kind of got some of that stuff from my stepdad. Um, but that that's, hopefully I answered your question. I mean, you know, you find mm-hmm. a mentor, find somebody, an aunt, uncle, but try to communicate your best with your family. And try to encourage some type of family counseling, you know, whether it's your through your church, your priest, your pastor, or the community center. Um, and if the mom wants to go and the dad doesn't, great. Or the dad wants to go and the mom, that's great. I mean, even if the siblings just go. But communication in the house is key. Forgiveness is key. Listening is key. Um, and then, and really like, don't let pride get in the way to just say you're mm. sorry. That's, that's, man, if you, if you could do that stuff, your, your life will be much easier, um, for, for a lot of people. And then you, mm. you, and then you take those tools and then when you become a parent, you use those tools. And, and that's another thing, like I cherry pick all the best things from my parents, cherry pick mm. things from my aunts and uncles, then I'll use them for, for, um, for my life. Like there's things that I just hated about my mom and my stepdad. I just hate it. And I just when I use them and I let them die with them. And there's, there's things that I loved about them. You know, like I said, the helping, the 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 um using my gut instinct and those I take those with me and I share those. You know, my mom always gave people rides and people money, let people stay at the house and I was like, What are you doing? Why are these people at the house? <laughs> and you know, she was helping. That was her way of really helping. Even if it was her last dollar, she would buy somebody clothes if they needed it or, or, or take them out to eat or whatever. That's just how she was. And that's a great quality. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and that's the, the, the stuff that I took from her and I share with her, you know, share with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like personally, me, my trauma was seeing death at an early age, you know, living in a place where uh, there was a lot of violence and, um, you know, all that stuff. Um and I, I just felt like I never really dealt with it, and it came out in different forms of uh, anger, aggression, and all that. And, um, you know, that's what I'm kind of referring to, like, and people need to deal with that stuff. And that was a great, you know, point that you made with um, seeking, you know, uh, um, therapy and, 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 you know, looking for mentors. And, and, and even the word mentors, a lot of people get that twisted and think, like, I have to look for someone that's like a millionaire or really, really successful oh, yeah. for them to guide yeah. me. No, no, it can be like, it can be a neighbor, someone that really cares about you and can really guide you into a, a better path in your own life. You know what I mean? Someone like that, that can be a mentor. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, and on that note, there's there's different mentors for different uh, areas of your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, some you can have somebody that just 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 an ear that's a great listener mm-hmm. and just sits with you, have a cup of coffee or whatever, and is just a great listener as you vent about whatever. Like every kid, like I I, I set up my son early on to have all these different mentors because I believe every kid. Every young man, every person, <laughs> like we all have to bend about our wives and husbands sometimes even, right? Mm-hmm. But let's just say a youngster, every youngster should have a place where they could go, a safe place where they could go. This is my opinion. A safe person they could go to and say, my parents are uh, uh, a-hole. <laughs> my dad's acting like a jerk without getting in trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> without getting, like they can't go tell their dad or mom that they'll get bust, <laughs> right? So like a little young kid, like, you know, you're a teenager, you just, like, you're just, they got to let it out. Yeah. And they're either going to let it out 
through through this the what's best way like go talk to my, my dad's a jerk i don't like this like i had a youngster tell me my stepdad's a jerk and i'm like why and, he, and he's and he's mad right he's venting and goes oh because you know he caught me sneaking out the window and he wants me home at this at this um time and he doesn't want me doing this and he wants me to take out the track you know he's telling them all this stuff that that my stepdad did to me growing up and i and i'm listening and he's like angry and i'm like bro let me tell you something i go your stepdad loves you, bro. All that stuff he's telling you, that's love. There's some kids that don't got no love. They mm-hmm. don't, the parents ain't asking them nothing where they're at or whatever. That guy loves you, man. And he, he just tripped out and he, and he shifted the thinking and he just like, and I, this was in seventh grade. He's already like in his 20s, owns a house, mm-hmm. he's in construction, has a family, two kids, and his relationship with the stepdad is beautiful. Um, but it was like, so it was just kind of shifting the thinking. And so that was like the experience, all this experience that I had growing up, it was like, wow, it was like, man, I had a, you know, it, it was like, I helped this youngster, many, many youngsters, but I'm thinking of one particular one, but you know, so, but then he needed a safe place to, to, to vent all that stuff out. So yeah, so, so, uh, and then they have, uh, and it's good to have a, a mentor or somebody to listen to for different areas in your life. So example, I have somebody I could talk to when it's about my marriage. I have somebody I could talk to when it's about my business. I have somebody I could talk to when it's about finances. I have mm. somebody that I could talk to when it's about script writing and, and a mentor, uh, um, capacity right um or somebody that just a life that man i'm just dealing i'm just feeling like motivator i'm just feeling sadness or whatever the feeling is like this whole week i'm be honest like i just thought i you know i just i you know i i just had a sadness on me all week and hmm. i'm like man and i you know and i cry and i get sad or i'll watch movies and and just feel a certain way my wife knows it already and it's just like I, you know and it just and i know it's going to pass through it and i went to therapy for it and all that and i didn't know how to deal with grieving for years with my mom i would have these really long months of depression then i learned to have let let the, um have my moments about my mom or any loved ones that passed away but my mom was the one that really affected me the most because a lot of it was guilt the way i treated her you know mm. but i would have those moments and then um, and then I let them pass now and then think of the good times and now, okay, I didn't honor my mom and dad and stepdad when they were alive, but I could honor them now, right? By helping people being good person in society. But I had to kind of learn how to get those, like talk to people and talk to, to friends and mentors and, and, um, again, different areas of my life that really helps. I think for anybody listening, you know, go get help and know that, um, you know, like you might be talking to your friend that's like great in business and that might not be the right person to talk to about your your emotions at home with your mom or your dad find somebody else for that like you it's okay to find a different people but and you're correct you don't need to be you know some millionaire or some well-established person it, it could be uh it could be a, a the coach you could be i mean you know if you're if you're underage if you're under 18 be real careful because mm-hmm. you got to make sure you know you don't put yourself in a situation where some dude's a creep but you know you back to your young your your guts instincts when you're young if you get a feeling that somebody's a creep <laughs> then the most likely they're probably a creep or even, even if they're not if they make you feel that way that's still not cool yeah you know but um yeah so you know it, it could be anybody it could be um Man, it, you know, sometimes even it could be a person that just hears you out for that moment in your life, and then you never talk to them again. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, and, and um, yeah, but then also, also, 
be a listener and be there for people. Once you become, this is this is the whole thing for me. If I had to get one piece of advice, we're, a lot of us, you know, we're growing up, and it's okay to be selfish. And I think we need to be selfish at times. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's that good selfish, right? We have to have self care and take care of ourselves. Yeah. But then there's also that we have to be, a, again, me as a human, I think that all humans should strive to get in the place of being in service and to humanity, mm-hmm. right? Once you're in that place of service of, to humanity and you're not all about yourself, oh, man, whew, you're, 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 uh, you're like your you're, 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 you're point of view, like every, I, I'm, there's like a shift, there's a powerful shift that happens in your life where you're just like, whoa, okay. Like me, like, dude, like even the art that I want to make, the movies that I'm making, the things that are not, you know, when I'm young in Hollywood, like you want to make money, you want the nice car, the mm-hmm. house and look at me, I'm a director or, you know, I'm a, I'm an actor or whatever. Like people, all the people that said I was a loser, I'll show them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, and I say, that's okay for people. If that's your thing, if that's what get the engine revved up, great, but don't stay in that mode. Right. Mm-hmm. Get in the mode of like, okay, I forgave everybody. You know, like people, a lot of my family friends clowned me when I said I'm going to go to Hollywood. They're like, you're a break dancer, you're a skater, you're a cholo, now you're in the movies. You know, I got clowned. But after I stuck with it and they started seeing like, oh, man, this was serious about his business. <laughs> They're just like, he ain't stopping. That's like, To me, like, that's my legacy. If I drive home after this car and die... Like, that's my legacy, you know, like, this food didn't stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he kept going, like, the Energizer Bunny, like, mm. like I don't have a plan B, you know, that. You know, I'll get more into that, but, you know. You didn't so let like, labels, um, you know, keep you back from from what you want to do in life. Oh, no, 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 no. As long as I'm breathing, I always say this is, like, my thing. Like, if you're still breathing, I don't care if you got one arm. I mean, if you're still breathing, <laughs> you can have a comeback. You can oh, yeah. achieve your goals. You can achieve your dreams. That's just, it, it really is a mindset, you know, but like, so, so real quick, I just want to say like, be of service to people, be of service to people, be an ear, be a listener, be a mentor. And you're going to see more people, more people will be available to you. It, mm. It's just crazy how it works. You can't be like, I'm going to help somebody so somebody can help me like no it's really got to be sincere helping mm-hmm. people it doesn't mean like you know like i won't give a homeless person cash i give them food i carry you know i carry waters and snacks on me and i give them food or i'll buy them a meal but i'm not going to give people money you know because then you, you could go broke there's a lot of people out here especially youngsters that are homeless and all that but i'll buy them food hey you want some food bro or a young girl or a young couple you know, especially if there's a baby there, like mm. always, always, my wife and I will go out of her way to buy somebody food, right? Yeah. Or, or give them some food if we, we have it, or a jacket if it's cold, stuff like that. But be of service to humanity, and you, you'll be surprised how how um, your, 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 um, your life, it, it just it becomes be- a beautiful thing, man. Mm-hmm. Like seeing somebody's joy of helping them, that feeling is better than getting a big paycheck. It really is. Um, and people think like we're in Hollywood and all like we're rich and we got things. I mean, like we're like man, we're still grinding. I've been there twenty years. I'm just really getting started. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but you know, I've, I've learned how to like you know. There's a lot of people in Hollywood. They're not. Um, and I don't just say Hollywood in life. You know, mm-hmm. it could be at a, a, a the sheriff's department. It could be at the school. It could be a. Uh, you know, in politics, it could be wherever, right? There's just good people, and then there's bad people, and um, and and Hollywood has you know the mixture of both, and you just kind of learn to use your instincts and see like, okay, there's some people there I probably shouldn't be involved in business with them, but these right here, these feel really right. They're honorable. They have integrity. They're doing the right thing. I, I want to be in business with these people, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, 
Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, thank you for sharing that, man. I appreciate that. Um, It's a lot of deep stuff that, um, you know, some people choose not to speak out on. um, But, I I mean, I appreciate you sharing that with us, man. And, um, I mean, it's a full circle that gets, you know, comes back to to it. it, Like, when when it comes to dealing with all these issues and stuff. So now the last time you were behind bars and you, you told yourself, you know what, I can't keep doing this. And then you got out. And, uh, how was, how did you step foot into the entertainment field? You know what I mean? How did you, did you get introduced through someone you knew or how did you get, cause you have a long list of, you know, it's kind of like hats that you wear, you know, you, there's all these jobs that you've taken, like from directing, producing, acting stunt you know all, all these things that you did man how did you get a hold of all these um you know positions so so looking back so i always liked the movie biz loved the movie biz since i was a young kid right and then never thought it could happen to me then got caught up in gangs and then uh, after um a while along you know after i started seeing the betrayal and the gang stuff and seeing like friends die like so you're going to jail it's like dang you start thinking like oh i want out of this stuff right but then when you're young and you're not really strong mentally, you're like, you know, fear and pride come kick in, right? And you're like, okay, I'm done. I'm stuck. I can't do nothing about it. And then I was just like, man, I, I, I'm, I'm really just done. I saw a lot of betrayal. That was like the main thing. And then learning that at a young age, like, so I was in juvenile hall, right? And, you know, you're gangbanging, you're crossing each other out, you're throwing down. Mm. And then I started hitting the county. And then the, the two main cases I ever got busted for, I was fighting two big cases in my lifetime. And both cases, I truly didn't do them. And I remember my stepdad told me when I was young, he's like, like you, you know, you're caught up with all this stuff. Like sometimes when you're just there, they just bust you. And I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, right? And it's true. Like I got busted for stuff I totally didn't do. And you don't write, and you just write the case. Another one, I, I I read all my transcripts, got dismissed. That was like in '91, '92. And then another case was later when I was already tired of the life. Like '97, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, was pregnant with my son, four months pregnant. I had two daughters from ex-wife. My mom, grandma were alive, and my brother was there. And I'm fighting this case, and I was busted for a home invasion. And again, I was already two years prior to that. I was already just done with it, right? And just didn't want nothing to do with that no more. But I didn't know how to go about it. There was no really like a guideline, right? I'm going to answer your question how to do it for other people that want to do it. So I fought, I, I fought, I'm fighting this case. This this guy that turned out a witness, he was a gang member who turned witness, points me out like in a uh, six, this photo six pack or whatever. Mm. And the attorney that I had, she was my mentor, had been mentoring me for a while. And she's always believed that I had something in me. She was telling me early on, I see something in you more than you see, more than, more than what I see. And I was like, ah, what are you talking about? I'm a gangster. I'm going to be on America's Most Wanted. Hmm. That was my mindset back then, right? So when she, when I got busted for this case, I'm like, hey, lawyer, remember you said you believe in me? <laughs> I need a lawyer. <laughs> so she, see, luckily she, she helped me. She didn't charge me. She mentored me and helped me and said, hey, so the guy pointed you out. It's going to take a miracle for you to win this case. So I'm like, man, I'm going to prison. It's done. It's over, right? Game over. And um, and I and I'm you know I grew up Catholic, and then um, so I always you know I always pray. I pray to God. I was one of those guys like I pray to God in a in a. I know that every, it's not for everybody. Everybody believes in different things. That's fine. But for me, like those times when I'm hiding from the back in the backyard in a pigeon coop from the cops, and I'm like, oh God, let me help me get away with this, and I'll mm-hmm. do good the next day. And the next day I was back to my shenanigans <laughs> but then this time i was like man god help me and like i i'm 
I didn't do this. I'm willing to ride the beef, but like, you know, there has to be another way, you know, I'm just tired. So, so I'm like, I'm just sincerely doing a prayer to just like, give me a miracle. And my lawyer said, it's going to take a miracle. The guy gets on the stand, points everybody else out and he gets to me and he says, your honor, I think I made a mistake. And on a long story short, he says, the guy that looked like him, looked like him in the photo. So then they showed the photo of me. It was like me when I was like 16, all skinny. And I had already gained weight and I was already in my late 20s. And then the lawyer looked at, my lawyer ran with that. We asked for a dismissal. And the judge looked at me and said, hey, um, I, have a, I have a hunch you were there, but, I'm gonna, but I can't hold you on my hunch. And the case dismissed. So what that did for me, that gave me courage to... It's, it, it was at the point, okay, if I stay, I'm guaranteed eventually I'm going to go to prison for something I do. If I stay, I'm going to go to prison, if I, you know, or, or eventually get killed, right, doing all this stuff. But if I leave, there's a chance that I could actually just leave and do good, right? Mm. And no one's going to mess with me. So there was like a little chance. And then I started thinking, well, there was guys, and, and one of the things with the neighborhood, I mean, there's a saying, you know, for, it, it don't matter what gang you're from or what kind of criminal activity and ain't no half stepping that's mm-hmm. a that's an old school saying yeah so i always knew early on like when if, when the dudes that got in trouble or got in the hood you know got in a little mix was like because they say oh i'm gonna be a family man or i'm gonna go get a job or i'm gonna settle down with my hyena and and move to fontana or whatever mm-hmm. and then um then they get mad with their old lady and they get in a fight and they come back on the drunk weekend and then they want a gangman on the weekend I'm like fool you just said you were gonna you didn't want to gangbang no more because you're gonna be a family man now you're coming back and forth and then fool, you know those fools get checked right or yeah. they get in a little mix so i already knew like i had fools call me slippy when i had my kids and i was like well i still gangbang but i got my kids bro you know what i mean and they would sometimes give me a pass and then sometimes guys would reach over my grandma trying to hit me we're in the car you know what i mean just some dudes didn't that's how they play so i already knew early on like if you, you when, when you commit like, so I was like, look, man, whoever got to do what you got to do, but I'm going to be a family man. I didn't rat. I, I found my case legit. <laughs> the dude changed his testimony. Like, I would be I would be the biggest dummy if I would have kept going after that, mm. right? That was like, man, dude, you, you were like, you know, I, I did it. I put in work for the neighborhood and, and it got nothing. And then, uh, oh, the other thing I want to say, what I learned too, going to adult jail is like, you have to be friends with your enemy. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And then, then you know, and I didn't know that. So I'm in the county jail, like crossing people out, you know, gang banging and all that, like the juvenile, because I didn't know. And then like, I almost got checked. Some young, some old G's had to sit down and talk to me. Now, nah, homie, you don't, you know, I remember one particular old G was like a rival too. And he's like, hey, we don't play that in here, blah, blah, blah. And then I got out and hit up my older homeboys. And they're like, oh yeah, homes, you know, I, 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 I you know, I went, when I first time I went to prison for shooting this fool, I'm in the doing. I'm doing time with his homies, and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> so, like, we're gonna gangbang on these fools again. Remember, I wasn't into drugs and all that. I was like, I was into. I was like, I was there to gang. I was gangbanging, right? Mm-hmm. So, you gangbang, get this guy or whatever, or, or whatever this neighborhood, and then you go do life in prison, and then you're doing life with their homies. Like this didn't. I didn't understand that. I was like, I, I don't. That does not make. You know, I, I mean. I had common sense, like this does not make sense to me. Yeah. So that that the betrayal and all that stayed with me. So when my when my case happened, I was like, I'm out of here. But I'm not gonna half step, I'm gonna commit. Right. I knew that. I'm like, I'm not like, you know, 
So I'm like, I'm out of here. And then I learned was I had my true friends supported my decision, my friends, my so-called homeboys, you know, talked crap and said whatever. And then, you know, a little bit, you know, you get your little pride messing with you or like, oh, my name in the neighborhood is not going to be good anymore, blah, blah. And it just came really down to like my three kids or the, all my so-called homeboys. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Like, who am I going to put in work for? You know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm putting work for my kids. Yeah. And that's what it came down to. And I just committed and I just kept working. And I nobody would hire me. I didn't have a job. I didn't have, a, I'm like 27 years old at this point. I had no license, no money in the bank, no bank account, no car, like zero, nothing, no plan other than like my, having my third kid, my, like, for much pregnant. So I, we started, I, and then Toys R Us hired me. Right. And then I started working there, but I still was like, what am I going to do? And then I would watch TV shows and watch. Um, I, and I started thinking like, OK, do I go to the military? Like, nah, I don't like waking up early. Right. <laughs> like, Do I go back to school? Like, I hated school. You know, like, what do I want to do? And I'm like, oh, I would watch these late night shows. The Tonight Show back then had Jay Leno on it. Mm. And it would talk about all these different, you know, Robert Duvall, Wilson. Everybody would tell their stories of how they broke into Hollywood. And how, not how, really how they broke in Hollywood, but how it was like a, it was a passion that called them mm. i was like yeah well, i always you know so then i went back to my childhood like oh yeah, i always love movies i should try that then i started thinking then then securities came up oh man i'm a, I'm a short i'm mexican i'm a cholo <laughs> like who's gonna <laughs> hire me you know i got a felony now i had a felony from like a different case and then so i was like jeez man so then and then tarantino was on there promoting jackie brown and he's like anybody could come to hollywood and it was like, I need to do this thing. So the plan was my pregnant girlfriend at the time, again, she's my wife, would get her mom's car when her mom wasn't working. And we would drive around Hollywood and downtown L.A. And she would just drop me off at the movie sets and go around the block. I'd go, just keep going around the block until I come back out. And that was the plan. And we would just go and go. And there was no Internet back then, or maybe mm -hmm. there was, and I just didn't know how to use it. But I would just I would kept getting rejected. Hey, I want to be in the movie business. I kept getting rejected. Like, hey, get out of here, or I can't help you, or whatever. Finally, and this was after like months of just we're trying and trying and trying and trying. Right. Finally, I was like, I walked on one movie set. It was in the nighttime, and I was like, all oh, the catering was there, and I and, I'm, and, and I snuck on the set. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm walking into areas where I should not be, and. Um, I don't even know how I got there, but uh, no security or whatever. I, you know, I, I just, I, what I learned is like, if you walk in, like you belong, they think you belong. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, so I walk yeah. in and I'm walking around. And I'm like, I want to, and then I'll like, man, I'll sweep. I don't care. I'll do whatever. And everybody's like, no, you, we're not hiring. We got everybody, you know, go get on the jig casting. And I'm like, well, who, and you know, and then like, if you look through the back then we were looking at penny saver. It was like a newspaper. They would have these, like, you know, they would have all these scams. They would charge a lot of money, right? Mm. So I was like, oh, I man, I couldn't afford that. I think I, I even tried one, and I and I got burned. But so I, I finally on this last one, I walk back outside. I'm, like, bummed out, like, no luck again. And there's this dude with dreadlocks. He's a white boy, like, surfer dude. And he's smoking a cigarette. And I said, um... Hey man, how could how can I be in the movies, man? And he goes, Oh, I don't know, man. I'm just an extra. I'm like, I'll be an extra, you know? And he's like, Oh, right here, call this number, Central Casting. And I got the number. I'm like, It's legit. It's legit. All right. I get home and I called in the middle of the night, 
and I said Central Casting, and I hung up all scared and nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. The guy gives me the Central Casting number, and I call again, and they go, union or non union? I'm like, uh, I don't know. And he's like, okay, non union. You know, long story short, I, I called, signed up, I went over there, and I was like, willing to dress, I was trying to dress um, like I'm going to court, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like Dr. Pants and shit. And next thing you know, they're like, happy me play a gangster. And I'm like, that's cool. And they didn't ask for if you've been arrested for a felony, and they didn't ask if you've been in jail, or they didn't, you know, they weren't going to like drug test you, you know, that. So it was like, just show up, be nice, and you're in. And I was like, and I was it, and I was mm-hmm. in. And I remember going, it was like, packed in like 40 bucks, you know, for eight hours. It was like minimum wage, but I didn't care. I was like, I'm in, that's it. Like, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. And then I just kept trying to book more jobs and more jobs. And then I started, um, oh, and then, and then I started seeing like, oh, hey, you guys need lowrider cars? You know, or, or you guys need some homeboys, you know? And like, I was meeting, I started meeting different people. And I caught a couple of guys from my old neighborhood that wanted to do it. It was almost like being in the neighborhood all over again. You're making a reputation, you're putting in work, and you're being a guy that you could depend on, right? Yeah. And um, th- that's what happened. And then I started doing, uh, again, all that, looking back even from my gang, days i was already producing back then and directing and all that um not really realizing it it all kind of prepared me so doing all these jobs i had i did locations you know like basically what happened was i became a talent manager uh for homeboys right Mm. but then i became a consultant so we were providing you know like real a real authentic location clothing uh, music um just all these different um gang culture aspects right Of, of um neighborhood stuff to be authentic but then that's really all doing all that as a consultant i mean you're really you're really uh, you, you know that's really producing but you're on as a consultant so it's kind of like my training ground that was kind of my film school pretty much hmm. so then by the time i really you know, i started working on different movies and one of the movies i worked on as a consultant was training day i was like you know like a big big movie and i uh, helped provide some talent helped coach worked on the script a little bit at that big scene um, and, and, um, and I was like, and then I worked on a lot of independent movies and then I was like, man, I need to have my own script because some of the movies would, would come out after and I would be like, oh man, this didn't come out so good. <laughs> Even though I put my two cents in, sometimes the director would have it like, you know, he's a director, he's going to have the final say. So I was like, if I really want this thing to be right, I got to write and direct and do everything myself. Uh, to the best of my ability, you still have a team and all that. Mm. But so I started going to you know, I, st- I, I manage a lot of uh, actors and they were did, some did well and are still working. And then some uh, went back to jail, some died, some um, just went back to the lifestyle. And even on that note, like we're on the set and we're, we're, we're doing, we're working on movies, right? With the ex-gang members. And, and I, I realized that, darn man, some of these guys, they need mentors. They need mental health. They didn't need a manager. Yeah. You know what I mean? They need like they needed some serious help. So even myself, because I hadn't worked on myself back then, so I still had anger issues. I had, I mean, I had attitude issues. <laughs> I had a lot of issues, and um, yeah. So then, by the time I get into you know managing actors, or at the time I started getting into working on myself, filmmaking, and all that, um, then I realized like, oh, a lot of these guys like they really, I still, I still like I didn't manage them, but I started doing um, um, consulting with them. Right, just give it kind of being like a counselor to them. And I even went and got certified, and I was a youth counselor, and I worked as a teaching artist for Tribeca Teaches, uh, Robert Janeiro's company. So I did that for a few years as well. But I was using all those tools to help um, 
and I still do it today. Like I'll sit with the homeboy or, or person, anybody, even if they didn't come from the life, and I'll help them do a game plan. Like you know, their help their personal life, their their health, their financial, and then all the steps to to become a working actor or to become a filmmaker. And I'll talk to them about all those steps. But the, you know, before you do any of that stuff, like how are you going to come in and start a career? If your personal life is kind of chaotic, like you owe child support, you owe IRS, and you have a bad attitude, you have anger, and um, we all have anger, but and you know what I'm saying, like you can't react to every little thing. Like if you come to movie business, someone, the director screaming now, you just, you, what are you gonna do? Punch the director? Like if you don't have that in control beforehand, you know, it ain't gonna work. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so I mean that's kind of like my journey, and then like now I, I, I'll feature scripts a couple of TV show pilots and um, we're shopping them to networks and stuff and we put the stuff on YouTube um, it got a million we're at 2 million views on one of the shorts yeah yeah seen those the first one was called A Second Chance that Second was based Chance, off man. of my life when my friend died when I was like 16 and that's my real son that played me mm. and yeah and then that one hit a million and then 2 million and I, I you know I've been in the game but I was just like anti um social media i just like oh that's just another thing to do <laughs> actually mm. it's just I, i'm already you know dealing with texting and emails but um so we put the film on youtube and then hit the million and then my son and the team are like yeah you need to get on social media food you need you know, you know. <laughs> so that's then i was like let me get on instagram and before i got on instagram i did a lot of homework i did intense homework on youtube and instagram i did intense homework of seeing who did what and how mm. they did it and what works what didn't work how to use it the right way for business if you look at my page on instagram it's like half a percent personal probably less than that <laughs> personal and the rest is business like i don't put up my social my personal business out mm. there and if other people do that's that's good for them but i just that's just what i prefer to do yeah. i'm there for business i'm there to inspire if i can make you laugh at times great but I'm really there to inspire, inspire and share my stories and cool photos. And uh, man, I have like over over 20 something years of photos that people are gonna trip out as I'm posting them. I'm looking through them like, dang, I forgot about this. It's like, <laughs> you know, I'm still trying to find this one I have with Robert De Niro <laughs> somewhere in there. But um, wow. but yeah, so the films came out and, and now it's giving us juice. We're going around pitching and people are like, oh shoot, there's an audience, two million views, great. And I have the scripts. I have the scripts to back them up. I went to um, um, to get on the script writing. After the consulting, I went to. I started taking classes at UCLA Extensions for script writing, and I would go every week. and And pretty much what I tell people now, like everything's on the internet. You can learn on the internet, but like for me. I needed to go to class every week and do the homework and have someone keeping me accountable. Like I need, I, I was lack, I lack discipline, right? So going over there, going to class, it helped me get discipline. And then I took another one that James Franco had the studio where he was on. Um, he wasn't the teacher, but he had people running it under his name. Took another writing class, but I took a production class at UCLA Extensions, how to run and um, how to start and run a production company and then i took two tv writing classes there and then wow. i took a feature film writing class and again those were and at the last class i had it i was like okay i got it under and i had re, i had written a bunch of scripts but they were looking back they were really bad scripts right lack structure and format and all that but then looking because i always thought like oh i have i have all the stories i have all the gangster stories i'm a writer but that's not really the case there's still a, a, a art form to it there's still a craft to it 
um, t- TV versus television or TV versus movies, stuff like that. And then, um, but the last class I took, I was like, okay, I, I have an understanding of this and I have the discipline now. And then my first really good screenplay that I wrote, I wrote it in seven days. I like locked myself in the room every day for seven days. I uh, had a little rough outline and I, and I knocked it out. And it was a good first draft. And then for the next like year and a half, I, you know, brief, revise, revise, revise. So I'm a, uh, uh, and then the, then the next script I wrote was a TV pilot, and I wrote that in three days. But then again, another like year to really rewrite it and work it and work mm. it and work it and get notes. So I have a, like actors, actors have an acting coach, you know, or like a boxer has a boxing coach. I have a writing coach. She's a, she's my friend from UCLA. She's my teacher. She's my script consultant. I pay her. She reads my script and gives me notes. I don't take every single note she says, but. <laughs> She gives me some good notes or she'll give me a thought that triggers another idea in my head. Mm -hmm. But uh, one thing I'll tell you for sure, anything I do, it's authentic, a hundred percent authentic to the culture for the people. And um, it's truthful, you know, it's Mm. just truth. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, And as a writer, man, like, I mean, you have a lot going on. Like, how do you, how do you deal with procrastination? Like there's a lot, you know, I mean, just life in general will like, you know, detour us to another spot that we don't want to be in life. Like, how do you stay persistent in that in, in that way? Well, it's like it's what, like what I was just saying. Like, I, I learned to I lack discipline. I had procrastination, all that. And I put stuff off and, you know, and I still have it a little bit. But I, I, I it, was, it was a muscle that I had to work on. It was a weakness. I mean, I had to work on that thing, and 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 that's where like the classes helped me. Mm. Helped me. I, I did learn the stuff from the class, and you can learn, like I said, learn all on the internet. But it was really keeping me accountable of going back and forth to the class and having that homework and being in the room right there, like, hey, did you do your homework? Like, yeah, I'm here, I'm ready. And what matter of fact, my first uh, A plus I ever got in my life. Remember, I jumped out of school in ninth grade. My first A plus I got, I was 35 years old at the UCLA Extensions class. You know, for TV writing. Uh, and I got a A plus, and I was so excited because I never had an A plus in ever anything. Mm. I was like, "Oh man, that was cool!" But it was just the doing it. So I learned that discipline. Like I don't get writer's block, or here, here, like pretty much here's my process. So, whether you're writing music or poetry, whatever. So like for me, I I have a, what's a program called Final Draft. That's for screenplays. Mm. And then, but I also write in my notes. And I also, you could get Final Draft on your phones for like twenty bucks or whatever. But on my notes, so what I'll do is I have like a gang of ideas, right? And so like in my notes, I'll have like idea number one and it'll be titled whatever the idea is. And and that idea, like, oh man, I have this idea that came in and I just jot out the idea. So then I'll jot in it so that like, and more and more things come up, I'll put more things in that idea, in that particular idea one. And then there'll be things, I have a different idea two, idea three, idea four, idea five. So throughout the days and life and months, like, I'll just keep filling in all these ideas. Oh, this will go good in idea number seven, right? That's a Western idea. This will go good in my animation. You know, all oh, this thing happened in my life, and oh, that'll be good. So I'm always just filling in all the ideas. And then, so it's kind of like um, baking, right? You're baking it. So they're, they're all like, so once one of those things, the ideas really filled up really big, I'm like, damn, this is, this is really now. Let me get into my computer and start shaping it. Mm. right and then i start shaping it so i got in the movies movie stuff it's like uh act one act two act three so i start getting all these random ideas and start organizing okay this is going to go in act one this is going to go in act two this is going to be in act three and keep in mind all that could disappear 
but that's what stuff that sparked the inspiration. And then I have like a little fantasy soundtrack that I do, right, for a particular movie that I'm writing, and I'll mm. just hear the soundtrack, and then I'm shaping it and shaping it and shaping it. But it really comes back to characters. Who are the characters? What's their backstory? I already know the little situation they're in. What's this? Who's the character? What's their backstory? So, like example, like you know, I don't know. Are you married or you have a girlfriend? Married, yeah. Okay, so you're married. So you you and your wife know each other pretty good, right? So like mm. you know if you know what things tick her off, right? <laughs> if you do this, how she's going to react. If I if if, uh, if you uh, if she does something, you know, she knows how you're going to react. You know her pretty good. You know her backstory, I'm sure. You know her her, her um how she grew up, mm-hmm. her, you know her her family, her sisters, her siblings, what what siblings, what cousins get on your nerves or whatever, right? Yeah. So like so that's how you, as a writer, like, you gotta, like, okay, who are these characters? You gotta create a whole backstory, give them a whole history. This is stuff just for you, the writer, to know, and the actor mm. should know that, but as a writer, you gotta know everybody's backstory. Mm. So, who, you know, where did they grow up? Were they molested? Were they raped? Were they, did they have a great childhood? What kind of food did they like? What kind of um, cards do they like? What kind of, um, you know, I mean, just, every, you give them a whole, a whole history so you know them really well. So by the time you start writing, you know how all these characters are gonna respond to each other, and they start writing themselves. That's why I never worry about, oh, what's the dialogue here? Like, if you know, like, so if I know both my characters, if I know my lead characters super well, I could put them at a dairy, I could put them at a funeral, I could put them at a conference, I could put them anywhere or her Mm -hmm. anywhere, and I know how they're going to respond to people because I know this person, I know their psyche, I know their way of thinking, just the way we know our family members, just the way we know our uncles and cousins and their parents. And, you know, I know what things that, you know, really bother my wife. <laughs> she don't <laughs> like watching movies with me that I've already seen because I'm always going to be like, oh, watch this part, watch this part. And it drives her nuts. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? And then, and, and, and she knows me you know like we're at a movie that I, I get emotional like i put my hat on at the end of the movie like oh man people are gonna see me crying right <laughs> which uh-huh. i don't really care but if it's like a bad one like man some movies are pretty sad you know what I, mean? I even got sad at toy story 4 <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah i'm like a big old kid but you know so, so you got to know your characters this is my main thing and I, I know them well and then like i'll put a character like you know you, like there's characters in my stuff that i wrote there could be like three or four of my homeboys and some of me right and it could be like some of me in my early gangbanging days and then there'll be some of me and one character and then another character could be the later years of me when i was already grown up and seen the light and another character and then i got two characters now now i'm pulling from cousins or homeboys and i'm creating all these different characters i never write you know um everything's like it's all made up you know it's not like i i, I take things i what, what what we learn to do is write the emotional truth right mm-hmm. so emotional truth of gangbanger homies trying to get out of that life mm-hmm. redemption right so that's everybody a lot of people are if you're in it long enough you're gonna want to get out of it right if yeah. you're still in it and you're still caught up then you, you haven't you know, you still got to go through it a little longer. So, so in other words, like if this guy's emotional and he wants out, his emotional truth is I'm tired of it. I want out, but he's still caught up and he's still putting in work. And you know, that's everybody's story pretty much. It's not like, um, uh, what I'm saying is I don't write real gangs. I don't write, I don't get into the whole North or South thing. I write real human beings in in a situation where everybody can relate. You know what I mean? And, um, you're never going to write like, you know, facts of something like, Hmm. you know, risk people getting busted and all that stuff. You know, I already know better. 
But um, but yeah, that's my writing process. So once I have enough stuff, so by the time I actually sit on my computer and write, I'm already in like revised mode. I'm already rewriting something mm. that I've been writing in my phone or in my head. And sometimes I'll write a whole thing in my head and that's like, it just comes fast and I'll just sit my butt down and put it in my phone and I'll just lay it all out and the whole thing is already there. And I was like, oh man, I got to get on this, you know, but, um, so, but so, so I, again, I, I worked on that discipline and then once I get in like where I'm rewriting it on my computer, that's like, then I schedule it, you know, I schedule it, you know, I mean, say I'm on a, on a, some production gigs, I, I can't be in writing mode if I'm working on somebody's production, get like mm. producing a video or whatever. I got to be all in that. And then I say, okay, then I got, okay, I got two, three days or a week here or a weekend. I'm going to, you know, Everybody knows I'm going in the writer's room, and and when I'm in that mode, they gotta like they can't even text me nothing. They have to slip a paper under the door. Like I'm like a mad scientist. My <laughs> I get I'm all coffeeed up. My I don't even shave. I have like a beard. I'm like Doc from Back to the Future. I'm just like a <laughs> mad scientist, and I'm coffeeed up, and I got the music going, and I just can't be interrupted. And, and it's flowing, and it's flowing, and I'm just letting it all flow out. And that's just my process, but you got to find your process. But, you know, it comes to a point where the story's calling you and mm. these characters are calling you and all that. And you and it's like, I'm like, I really could say, I mean, look, I, I, there's some people that are seasoned, seasoned writers, like psh, they're badass. I won't even say I'm there, but I'm a, I could actually say I, I, I was never, for a long time, I wouldn't call myself a writer. I'm like, I'm trying to be a writer, but you know, you have to own up to it. I'm a writer. Like I'm a writer. I'm really proud to say I'm a writer. I learned format. I, I, I could share it and teach it. Um, again, am I a writer like David Chase of Sopranos or Denton Gilligan? Of course not. These guys have been writing for years and years and years. And you know, but I, I'm, I'm at a point where I'm getting great feedback on these scripts, and, um, and things are kind of um, coming together. You know, coming together. But again, it got it also the mode, the place of like, why am I writing? Mm. Right. Why am I writing? Am I writing to be like, oh, look, I'm a writer, you know, or I'm a director. No, like I'm writing because these characters, man, I cry, I laugh. I'm emotional writing these characters. Mm. Like I'm, I'm like, I'm reopening up old wounds. So it's also therapeutic. So like one thing I wrote, like I'll, I'll grief all over again for two, three weeks. And I'll have sadness with me for, for, for a few weeks because the script made me so sad, but then I that, but then I know I dug deep. Like if you're not crying or laughing and digging, then you're not digging deep enough, right? That's even for an actor, right? You have to really dig deep and open those wounds up, and it's painful, right? It's painful and it's a craft and it's painful, but you feel so good after, man. After like a good cry or, or a, a, <laughs> a, um, you know, I mean, I remember yeah. I was writing something with this little youngster, right? His, name's, his character's name is Johnny. He's like 12, 13. He's getting mentored, and it's kind of like the stuff we talked about, right? He's going to the, the neighborhood youth center mentor, and he's talking, he's talking, and I remember writing it, and it hit me. I was like, dang, Johnny has to die. When I said that, like, man, I kept crying. I couldn't, I was, I, go, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop crying because I knew many Johnnies, right? I knew many of these boys. I know so many of them. I knew so many of them, and I still know so many. And it, we know that it's not going to end. It's still going to keep happening. Mm. So I kept crying and crying and crying. I was like, it's kind of like, oh, this thing I'm writing, like this, this little boy, like he's going to die in like, you know, one of these other episodes. And it's like, oh, man. And then, you know, <laughs> she's like, you know, might be like, I might be kind of weird to people, but like that's how invested I am to these characters. You know what I mean? They're real to me. 
so um yeah so that's like like the thing for me i know i'm going a little all over the place but for people like if you're you know just like and, you know, like i i i met vince gilligan the creator of breaking bad oh, i used to rep cesar garcia who's um in and in, in islos and a second mm-hmm. chance and he was in breaking bad i was his manager when he booked breaking bad uh, we went to the, the season two premiere and it wasn't like the big breaking bad that it is now but i got to meet everybody and then later on it's like you know the mega a mega show right and they mm-hmm. got the new movie that just came out so one time driving down the street i don't get that excited if i see actors because i've been around them a lot i'm more behind the scenes guy so i'm driving my son to an audition he was younger at the time and i'm dude it was like i saw elvis that's how excited i got right like hmm. think of people that say they saw think they saw elvis or tupac or whatever right <laughs> to me like I looked and I was like, oh, snaps, Vince Gilligan. I pulled over in the back of the park and I ran off the car with my son. And it's Vince Gilligan, the creator of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And he's walking with his team, like from Starbucks or something over there in Burbank. I walked up to him and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm the writer and I asked him for advice. And he's super kind. And you know one thing I do too, like I always tell people, like when you know people i notice people will be nice to the director but they'll like be mean to the assistants and the security <laughs> and them like be nice to everybody yeah. treat everybody like the leonardo dicaprio right yeah. yeah every human being is like treat them all like a lister right so i'm always that's just always something i tell my son and i tell people so i make that skill again i, I the, the girl he's with she's like a young assistant i think and i shook her hand and the other guy you know it's nice to everybody but i asked him about his advice and his advice was and i'm like okay i got that I, I write every day and he said don't don't hog up your movie like he did his hands you know like don't hog up your movie or your show like or you won't have one like in other words don't be willing to not to change anything but don't change too much where it's not your show anymore and then they the studio takes over he said like be careful and use his hands like wiggling back and forth like mm. you know fight be careful what you're fighting for. You know what I mean? Be, be real careful. Fight for the things that are really important to you. And you went back and forth. And I'm like, God, I got it, got it. As soon as he said that, I already knew what that was. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, the authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll never compromise authenticity, right? I'll be open for all other areas. But if it's not authentic and true to the life, to these characters, I got to fight for that. You know, and um, that was his advice. And it's been, um, and it's, it helped me really, like, articulate it better when I'm, going into these meetings or whatever like hey this is not i know you gave me that's not true to this character or this life you know what i mean it, it doesn't it doesn't fit if we have to be true to this story and then nobody how nobody could question that right yeah it's like if even and, and i mean authenticity doesn't have to be the gang stuff it could be authenticity to the to the sheriff's yeah. uh, to, uh, characters it could be authenticity to the the doctors to a parent a grieving parent it has to be truthful and authentic it has to feel real and um that's when we did the uh, in a second chance there's a scenes with the, all the, the medical people right mm. when somebody dies and they're working on um, trying to revive this kid and um i had a friend who's a real nurse who's been in these situations and he and i go hey i needed i want to get it authentic i had a friend, different friend that thought worked at a hospital he gave me all the the medical uh not scrubs but those little blue jacket things mm. and i went and got the best fake blood at cinema secrets and then my friend i'm like hey dude you know i want to get the splash the splash of the blood on their face that has to be authentic it has to feel like like we're really in a in a ar room right if someone working on a on a, on a person that got shot and so every little thing I, I i wanted authentic and then people like hey man i look real and that was really well done and i'm like because mm-hmm. I, re- I, re- I you know i let my if i was a director that said oh i don't to do it my way 
and then make it uh, what's best for the film. So the film is all like our babies, and we're all trying to trying to make the best way we can. It's up to be open and all that. And sometimes we have to change the script a little bit, and that's fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, I, I could talk forever. Bro. No, I appreciate all that. You actually took a lot of the <laughs> the topics that I was going to go on um, as for script writing and um, your new film, uh, East Los. I'm sure you've, you've seen these actors around. That's how you got familiarized with them and able to have them in your film and stuff. But like, you know how what you mentioned about having a, a, a soundtrack in your mind when you're writing script, what exact songs, if I may ask, do you have in mind? I know you have a little Rob in your short films, but like what else do you like picture in your mind that would be, I mean, do you picture a movie, like a full length movie already when you're writing your scripts and like, is that how you get your soundtrack going? So for me, like just, I'll just put it out there. Like I'm a, I respect, uh, I'll put it this way. I'm not into sports. But I respect athletes. I think their job is, you know, hard. So I'm, I kind of feel the same about like today's music. I'm not. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't really listen to it. But I respect all artists. My son's a, art, a young artist. I respect all artists. 100 mm-hmm. percent respect anybody chasing their art and their dream. Like, hey man, go for it. You know what I mean? Because uh, like even my film, there's it's not for everybody, right? Or my films, it's like everybody has different tastes. But so so. For, but for me, I listen to old school stuff. Uh, more, more because it's nostalgic, right? Mm-hmm. Or because of memories, because it brings up, opens up old memory, old wound, stuff that that helps get my emotions going. That's one reason. Uh, and the second thing is like, oh, this movie, this song. You know, sometimes I'll just listen to a song, and I was like, oh, that'll be good. That's a good scene. That'll be good mm-hmm. in a movie. And I don't know what. Or I'll say, oh, I'll be good in this one. You know, I done number five, <laughs> so I'll write down the song. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this artist named Bon Iver. There's a song called Wash by Bon Iver. I love this song. It's beautiful. So as I'm writing the future length version of my script, I'm like, oh, I'm going to write in Bon Iver on Wash. Whether I get it or not, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. so when I'm writing that opening scene, I have that on repeat because that's Mm -hmm. how I see it. That's how I do it. And then um, uh, Little uh, Little Rob, I got to know a lot of those guys in the films. I used to be their manager, so that's how I got them. So we're all friends or whatever. Um, and then, uh, but Little Rob, I was his manager. I was friend. But, I, like, I wasn't, you know, the only really rappers that I knew growing up, for me, uh, as far as Latin rappers, were, like, Cypress Hill, Kid Frost, and, like, Lighter Shader Brown. I didn't know anything about um, Little Rob or Capone and any of those guys. Hmm. Um, I was just really, like, into oldies hmm. and, and 80s uh, rap at that time. And, it, like I said, a lot of that stuff brings out childhood memories. And old OK Day... You know, K Day when it was on AM, and that's how old I was listening to hip hop. Um, so then, um, so when I got to be friends with Little Rob, uh, Mr. Cartoon said, You guys can meet up, you should meet up because we get along. Like, I didn't know who he was, I didn't know anything about his. And I kind of worked out because we became genuine, genuine friends without me being all like a fan of his, right? And it was like, we're still friends to this day. And I managed his acting for a little while. And um, so we just became good friends. So, and, and, and so then I started hearing his music off of our friendship. And then there's certain songs that like, oh, I just love. I'm like, oh, this is my favorite Little Rob. Like, the What Can I Do? That's my oh, yeah. favorite, favorite Little Rob song. So I'm like, you know, he's like, I got you, dog, whatever, whatever. You know, like at all the YouTube stuff, in case people think, like, I'm not getting paid on none of that stuff because I don't know any of the music. Mm. But to me, the music added something, added flavor to the art. And I felt like it needed to be in there, you know, like the oldies. So like that Summertime and East Los yeah. by Billy Stewart. That was in my head for like 10 years. And you remember my producer was like, no, 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 that's not the right song. You should put this song in that song. I'm like, no, 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 that's that song. I don't care. 
<laughs> and when it was done, everybody was like, oh, that's the bomb, dude. That's old school right there. But so, you know, so on um, the songs, it just depends. It, it, everything that I do in life, it goes back to the instincts and how I feel. Mm. When I'm working with a person, do I feel like this person's going to be hard to work with? They could be talented. Let's just put talent aside. But are they going to be hard to work with? Are they going to be difficult? Are they going to have an ego? If I get a bad feeling about that, and I could tell pretty fast, I'm not going to work with them. So the same with music. If the song doesn't fit, it doesn't make me feel a certain way, then it doesn't go in the, you know, it has to make me feel a certain way. And if it makes me feel a certain way, it's going to make the audience feel a certain way. Mm. Yeah, so like moving forward, and you know, like East Los is, um, we officially made the script that it's going to take place in the 90s, so it's going to be all 90s music. Mm. So it'll be like oldies and anything in the 90s. But um, And then as far as uh, A Second Chance, the feature film script is ready to go. That'll be, you know, like a little... That'll be our version, a Chicano version of... The best way I could describe it is of The Outsiders and The Bronx Tale. Oh, okay. So that's, that's you know, pretty much A Second Chance. The, the short film takes place in one day. The feature film takes place in five days. Hmm. Right, and we get into all that stuff we just talked about about communication, parenting, mental health, gangs, drugs. We we touch on everything, but you know, sadness, loneliness. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, trying to uh, a young Latino boy trying to strive for something better. But again, he should relate to any young person. Yeah, out there. it does. Yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter what race you're from. So, um, yeah, so the, the music, you know, music's... Um, but look, at if something, if something um, my son's, you know, he's always showing me new music and all that, and if, if I'm writing something and it feels right, I'll use it. You know what mm. I mean? Because if it feels right for... So the other things with, with music and movies, is if it feels right for a movie, it don't matter if it's something that I'll bump in my car, right? That don't matter. If it feels good and it fits the scene, boom. So that's why a lot of... People like when I, uh, a music artist, I know you, you know, you probably got a lot of music um, fans that listen or artists, you know, they should really, um, I always advise people, hey, get your music into movies and television shows. It's not that hard because a lot of the movies and TV shows, uh, they don't have a big budget to get the Dr. Dre mm. and all that. They have a, they just want a, a cool sounding track that fits a particular scene. So like, let's use the Mayan as an example. Mm. That's not, you know, go on IMDb Pro, Look for who's a music supervisor. Call up Fox. There's numbers. That, you know all that stuff's there. So it's not hard to find. And you just and you just got to have your pitch ready, and you got to have your 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 music ready. Have the lyric sheet. Have the instrumental version. You know what I mean. Have a but don't you can't pitch. Like if you're gonna pitch your music to movies and television shows or commercials, another thing. One you can make great money off that. But and then you know the royalties and all that. But you can't pitch like your next best hot single. Oh. You know? <laughs> Like that doesn't matter. Yeah. Like pitch your whole catalog. You got like a thousand songs from the last twenty years, and you don't even if you don't even like them, they might pick the one that you hate and put it in the music, and you make like <laughs> easy ten grand right there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just about like because it's about the budget and it's about the scene of the, if it works in the scene of the movie or TV show, right? Mm. It's not about what's the next album coming out and all that. So, you know, when I, when I put people on game on all that, they're always trying to pitch the next album because they mm. want to promote the next album. Yeah. Like, nah, bro, you're, you're missing out. And then they'll go with somebody else. And like I told you, you got to go with your whole catalog. You want to give them a variety. So um, It's about what they need, not what you want. Exactly. You got to separate your, your, your you got to put your business hat on, take off your artist hat. There you right? go. Yeah. that's the best way to put it. but uh also too like um 
there's a think about it there's so many shows there's CSI the Mayan yeah. and, and you could just like go on and on and just you know there's, and there's all these different cable networks you know it's, it's, it's not that hard to get a hold of people but don't call and do your research trying to get a hold of them and you're not ready that's like me trying to get a, a pitch uh, a pitch ready to go to, to HBO or whatever and like oh I gotta go write the script now nah you gotta have your stuff your duck's gotta be in a roll you gotta have all your, your music I mean I would how, every artist to do this have a website with all your music on there with the password, particularly for music placement. Mm. So when you call, say you call Fox Music, you call Fox Studios and you tell them, um, or Fox 21 is the one that I believe that produced the Mayans, and you get a hold of their, their um, music supervisor, you just give them the website and the password. It's not for fans, it's not for public, it's just for the for music placement. Mm-hmm. And then they get the password, they go on your website and they got your instrumental version, they got the version with the lyrics, and then they got a music sheet. And they got, you know, 100 songs or whatever catalog you have. Even if you just got five of them, that's fine. And then the person could go through and like, dang, I, I, and they have, and then they like it, you get a fee, right? And then there, next thing you know, this guy, he knows all kinds of other music supervisors. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you, next thing you know, you got something on CBS and even do student films. You put your on student films, you're not going to make money, but you could be at a festival and your track's playing at the end credit of a sick student film, a short film that just won some film festival. And then somebody's in there like, oh, what's, that's a sick song. And you're building your credits and you're building, you know, so man, I always tell people, man, that, that's a whole nother, you know, that's a game right there. That's a whole nother yeah. avenue of, of, of uh, making money and getting your name out there still while you're doing your performances and doing your next album and whatnot, you know? You know, you're putting people on game with how to handle, how to be in the entertainment, you know, system itself. And it's like a lot of people put barriers in front of them when they're trying to, you know, do what they want, what they're in search for in life and those barriers shouldn't even be there we're just putting those barriers ourselves because we we don't trust our own self that we can even be in that position but you know i mean people have have grown up with a lot of you know problems you know that they faced in childhood and stuff like that and a lot of a lot of those people have grown to to be very successful in their lives you don't want to have regret man you know what i mean like oh try to do something to please your your spouse or your your parents you're going to college and spending all this money or and i'm not against college if that's your thing but i'm saying don't go because someone's pressuring you to go i mean you're taking something you're not even you know like i always every time i talk to people to young people they say well i'm gonna go i just use this as this as an example it's like oh i'm gonna go to nursing school okay why oh because the benefits and the money i'm like yeah but like is that what you like what do you what would you do what's your hobby what do you do for a hobby Oh, I love making, you know, um, I love making these designer socks. That's my thing. Oh, that's what you should be doing. <laughs> like, right? You, you still have to have a job, right? And you go work and save your money, but you should be, go to like a designer school or, or doing your homework on that and business, right? And marketing and social, I mean, with social media now, like you, how many people are successful and do really well, right? Starting their own business. But like, that's what you should be doing versus wasting a whole you know, 10 years being a nurse. Again, nothing wrong with being a nurse. Like I said, I'm friends with her. But if that's not what you want to do, if that's not your passion, right, um, then you shouldn't waste years of life doing that, you know. And, and, I, and I remember I, I mentioned some girl recently, and she said, um, well, I'm going to get a, 
I was like, I want to be an actor, you know, and I said, like, okay, to do this, this, and this. And so one year you could be an actor. You'll be a work. Does it mean you're going to be a superstar? Does it mean you're going to be super rich? No, you'll be a working actor. If all that other stuff comes, that's the bonus. But to be a working actor doesn't really, it takes hard work, dedication, and just grind it out. Get in class like an athlete, right? You study and train. And then she says, well, but first I'm going to school for, um, to be a masseuse, right? So she's got to go to school for that and then try to get customers. So it's going to take a few years to really get that going. And I was like, oh, why are you going to do that? And there's nothing wrong with that. That's her thing. And I, and I, I said, she, you know, she's young. She has to kind of uh, experience that. But the time that it's taking to get that business, to go to school for that and get the business and going. And that, so she says, oh, I want to have money to feed my family while I'm doing my acting. Well, she could have been already making money doing acting at that point. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, and we're still friends, and I'm still the ear and mentor for her and all that, and I don't, I won't say her name, obviously, but she, she, you know, and it's um, something that we all think, so it's kind of like having that safety nest, you know what I mean? Mm, Versus, yeah. good, I'll work at Walmart or Target for a whole year, get in my acting classes, feed my family, and by the end of the year, like, I book a commercial, you make, like, 30, 50 grand. You know, you still don't quit your job because you book the commercial. <laughs> you put that in savings and you live that you live off of that as well. Right. And then you still work at Target or whatever for another year. Right. But you got to be the best Target worker. When I was at Toys R Us, I worked my butt off. I got employees of the month. I got raises and all this stuff. I was like already changing my my work ethic. I was like I was the best Toys R Us worker there. <laughs> you mm. know what I'm saying? So I tell them, like I said, I was a dedicated breaker, break dancer, um, skater, and then dedicated to the gang stuff, and now I'm dedicated to this. And I'm dedicated mainly now to serve humanity, right? That's like I'm dedicated to that. Um, but yeah, man, so like listening, follow your dreams, music, fashion, art. You want to paint your hair different color or whatever, but just be kind to people. Be kind mm -hmm. to, to, to everybody. Be a helping hand, be a ear, be of service. I'm telling you, when you get into that place, woo, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's what life is truly, truly all about. It's mm. not about all the the fame and money and all that. That stuff's good. Like I, they look at, I want power and money. I'm not gonna, but I want it for good, right? I mm. want to use this power, the power of influence to influence good. I want this money where I could bless people, where I could help people, and 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 just do so much good with that imagine you you know if, if you have all this money and you're in a bad mindset of greed <laughs> like yeah, well what the heck real. you're gonna have all these people wishing wishing bad on you and you're gonna be a lonely person but you have all this money and you could do so much good with it that's a beautiful thing right yeah yeah now so, bro to um to wrap it up man i know a lot of people view failure as a bad thing um to you man how has failure benefited you in your career so I view failure as not trying. I view failure as experiences, the great lessons, right? Uh, if you're doing the same mistake over and over, then that's uh, that's a little that's you didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, you know, if you if you use it, and it, it's almost like um, I see view failure as um, wisdom, mm. right? You're packing wisdom in your like imaginary backpack. This this experience, I I, I didn't quite accomplished what I want okay put it that expensive like you're cherry picking all these different little failures quote unquote or, or experiences um and then uh I'm sorry say, say the second question one more time oh yeah how has it how has failure benefited you like throughout your career oh 
yeah, benefit me. Uh, um, you know, it's like it's like one door shut and you're like disappointed, another door opens. It truly happened that way. You know, it, you know, really, I think that if you're doing things for the right reasons, you know, it, it really kind of uh, doors open up. All these different experiences, you know, they just really help me to see. Um, I look at things like things happen how they're supposed to happen, but you got to be doing the work and you got to be. It's like this, man. Pain and sorrow and all these things that happen, failure, like if embrace it. I just say embrace it all. If you embrace it all, it's going to keep happening. And then you put it into your art, right? And you put it into your love. You put it into your soul. You put it into your, your serving humanity. I think that's like the key. Hopefully I answered your question. Uh, that's how I, I kind of see everything, man. And see failure. I don't know. It's, 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 I guess different people might see failure different, you know? Yeah. Different thing. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't see. I used to see it like, oh, man, this didn't happen, you know, but I, I'm glad when things don't happen. If they don't happen, I wasn't meant to work with this person. Mm, okay. I wasn't meant to be in this city. I wasn't, you know, I was meant for somebody else. I'll give you an example. We, I would take my son to auditions, right? As a kid. He was a young kid. I would drive him to auditions and there'd be all these other kids there. And sometimes he would book the job and sometimes he would and it'll be some other kid and I talk, taught him early on. Some other kid books it. I you don't want I don't want you having envy or jealousy. Like and I looked at it like if some other kid booked it, it was not meant for my sin. It was meant for that kid and his family to have that blessing. Mm. That's that's how I see it. We could look at it like, Oh, he failed, he didn't get the job. Like no, that's not the case, you know what I mean? It's like, and then an actor can go to an audition and not get the part. Well, like what I just said, like say an adult actor is going to, well, if the actor didn't get the part because they're too tall, or they're light-skinned, or dark-skinned, they don't fit with the wife or husband, you know, they don't fit the family. There's a lot of million reasons they didn't get it, but if they did their acting homework, they did their craft, then they could be good. But if they didn't do their craft and didn't get the part because they did bad acting and they weren't prepared, that that's you know that's on them <laughs> that's sort of a failure on their own self because you failed mm. to be you were lazy mm. you didn't you, you know you didn't you kept partying or whatever you didn't do your homework you went to the bar last night with your friends instead mm. of doing your studying your 10 pages of your script you know so then that's on them that that, that could be you know a failure but again you got to look at it and say you could get disappointed if you know i failed i failed myself you get in a funk and then you you, you don't get out of that funk for who knows how long you can say man i'm never gonna let that happen ever again in my life you know and mm. that happened to me too i failed and i didn't do my best in a particular meeting or i didn't do my best um whatever i dropped the ball and I was like, dang, I failed myself, man. It's like, and I was like, I'm never, I just get so mad. I'm never going to let that happen ever again. Right. And then, 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 then it's not really failure. But if you do the same thing over and I did that over and over and over, then it's like, damn, I'm just a loser. <laughs> and I, I, maybe I'm not meant to do this. If I'm just going to keep, you know, maybe I don't care enough about it. Hmm. If I'm not going to get that discipline and, and keep working harder. You know, but yeah, no, I hope I answered your question. Oh man, <laughs> I mean, it ain't no right or wrong answer. It's just you know, what I mean, you know, what I mean, it is what it is, man. That's that's just your, you know, your point of view, man. And um, you know, that's that's a that's a really deep, you know, response, man. I and I appreciate you know you giving us all this insight of what you've been through in your career and um, just advice that youngsters nowadays trying to go into this field, man that things that they can watch out for and uh, things that they can improve in their own selves for self-improvement and um, self-help. And, uh, you know, like I said before, man, uh, mental 
health um it's a it keeps coming up and up man it just um it's something that i personally dealt with as for anxiety and stuff and oh yeah I, man. I, and i would like to you know help because when i was in that in that moment in my life i just felt like like a fucking zombie dude like i just felt like like i wasn't myself uh, i just I was going through that whole, uh, what is that called, uh, depersonalization, where you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't see yourself, you just see someone else, and it's like, I was going through that whole funk, man, and um, I, I, I don't wish that on no one in the world, man, not even my worst enemy, it's just the worst, man, you just feel like like you're not a part of this world anymore, you know, and it's just something that I want to bring awareness to of, you know, that we need to talk about those things, and um, we can't, we can't help others if we ourselves are going through something that we're not able to even help ourselves. So first we got to, you know, attend to ourselves, make sure we're the best we can be. Then we can go out and, and try to help each other, you know, try to help others in their own mission. But, um, yeah, Manny, I, I appreciate you giving me this time. And uh, I really dig your your, your insight and in, in how you, you know, went through in, in your career. And uh, I know you have much more success to to look forward to in your life and uh, and the ones around you and i just appreciate everything you do man thank you thank you you know and i, and I, would, I, would, I just want to say this last thing um for people that are starting their artist journey uh, it, I, I think it's very important and it's not touched on enough be careful with your social media mm. be careful with your social media what you put out there you know you can't be like i'm here helping youth and helping kids and then the next year you're smoking and drinking out that's your thing like just keep it private it's okay to mm. keep it private you know it sends the wrong message to you that you're throwing gang signs and all that stuff like you you, you want to i know it's a touchy situation some homeboys might be like eh, i like this fool and all that stuff but you know here's the whole thing i mean you know it's true i remember when i was in back then but like if, if, like I, it's, it goes back to to me you know the whole ain't no half step like if you're gonna be an artist be an artist and and whatever you rap about is something separate, right? But I'm yeah. talking about like try to have a a, a cool art artistic um, uh, social media and and just be careful what you post it or, or or like yeah I'm having you know we don't want to we don't need to post every single thing that we do out there where we're feeling like I, I'm not or or a reaction for whatever is going on in the world. Let's just say that like you know it just we should just it's just my opinion you yeah, know just yeah. to 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 be careful with with our social media because again more because like we got young people watching man mm. and, and we're in a place to us adults can take certain things we read this or whatever whatever but when you got the young like man i got people dming me and like yo g blah 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 and i'm like hey how old are you like 13 12 <laughs> 14 so i'm like whoa you know i'm like i'm real and that's why every you know i'm like real careful with what i post and every single post is well thought out every hashtag's well thought out you know sometimes i do a good one sometimes i don't but everything's you know it's like i'm talking to my younger self right mm. out there and i and i want parents to i want parents and youth counselors and youth advocates to to encourage youngsters they follow that guy's page you know, even though I have do have gang image and all that, that sort of older stuff, that's part of the art. That's part of our journey. But like, you know, but the, for the most part, you'll see it's like it's I'm a filmmaker. I'm a youth advocate. And um, I come from that life. That's why I put in my thing, former gang member. So I want people to know that I'm, I'm one of you guys. You know what I mean? I'll come from I'm not just some Hollywood dude. And I also want Hollywood folks to know I'm not one of them. I'm, I'm from the streets. You know what I mean? And I'm, I learned their stuff. Right. I yeah. learned their stuff, and I'm still gonna learn more of their stuff. <laughs> you know, like even just, between 
Like even within the the word gangs, like is looked towards uh, as a, as a bad thing because like gangs, it, it started off as a positive movement. You know exactly, what I mean? Exactly. It started off as as like bro- a brotherhood. You know what I mean? Like trying to trying to you know protect each other from like it, start, it actually started off protecting each other from other races like that are putting our race down and stuff like that like within schools and yeah. whatnot and then it turned from that to you know violence within its own race and you know it, it pretty much backfired i guess in a way you can say but you know in a way i guess even any type of gathering of people is a gang even the church gathering can be you know referred to as a gang yeah yeah so it's um you know that word gets thrown out so loosely that we forget the 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 breakdown of what a gang actually is like i said like we got young people looking and they're so influenced on stuff and i don't know i guess it depends on what you're what you're trying to say with your social media platform yeah. you know so that just like for me i you know for whoever wants to take it or leave it you know mm-hmm. yeah i get you man no doubt, man. Like I said before, man, I appreciate everything you do, man. I just, I'm looking forward to uh, future short films and, uh, you know, full-length film, you know, of, you know, you produced and, write and written and everything, man. I, I would love to see that, man. And, um, you know what I mean? Just just keep it pushing, man. And um, and thank you for, for uh, inspiring us uh, of your story, you know? All right, man. You too. Keep it going. And um, if I could be of service to you or, or somebody reaches out to you that... Um, t- you guys could DM me. I I do my best to get back to every single DM. It might be a few weeks. Uh, d- depends on you know how many there is, but I try to uh, respond to everybody's thing, uh, everybody's DM with advice. Just think about your question, right? And I think I answered a lot of questions here, though. Yeah, man, <laughs> it, was, it was really good. If you have any more questions, reach out, man. Jimenez Senior. That's it. That's my YouTube and Instagram. All right. Thank you, bro. Yo, and that was the interview with Manny Jimenez Sr. Yo, I hope you guys love that, man, because I know I did. I know I learned a lot from the homie and where I can use it for my own craft, for what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Everyone, we could all teach one, man. If everyone reached out to another person that may be struggling within whatever they're doing, if everyone did that, man, we can be so far ahead in our careers, man. But we, we got to step up. We got to do that. We got to make that next move. You know what I mean? Don't be afraid. You know what I mean? I know we're going to have ups and downs. We're going to have failures. But don't let that failure make you who you are. You know what I mean? Be better than that. Get back up and keep striving, man. It's all going to work out, man. So uh, into the next episode, man. This is Brown96, the host of Hip Hop Spot Podcast. Checking out for this episode, man. It's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah.